0: Uh, uh, uh. This is how we debrief.
1: Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from Sandals Church and Pastor Matt Brown with real answers to tough questions. And I just nailed that intro. I am your pal, Justin Party, hanging out here with the purpose-driven Schaefer. Stephanie. Yes. <laughs> Stephanie Schaefer show the mug
2: lift oh, up the yeah. mug dude thanks to our friends over at Saddleback Church who sent oh Pastor- my gosh oh, they sent you this mug
0: I took it I liked you it you converted you've gone PD <laughs> I did do we have did, it's a great do we mug. even
2: have sandal Church mugs
0: the PM oh we have no. debrief mugs it's PMB not mugs. PD PMB not PD <laughs> I got
2: I got two beat up over your Batman mug last week so. oh my gosh that was
0: the worst mug ever yeah. Okay. Just FYI, just in case they can't edit edit out that creepy whispering I was doing when we started. My apologies.
2: <laughs> we will never edit out your creepy whispers.
0: It was weird. I don't yeah, know why I, make why I was this doing show that. Worthwhile. Yeah, the people of the people are used to it. This is Pastor Matt Brown. You're doing good today. Yeah. Yesterday I got to hang out with Montel Jordan, who sang "This Is How We Do It." So it right. was just weird. He was mm-hmm. like my one of my favorite. Um, I don't know, rap artist, r RB. I'm not yeah, sure exactly whatever. what he was, rap but he was R&B. awesome. I think Musicians, don't pigeonhole him, dude. And just so you guys know, he's a talk our show host, too, right? Oh. Yeah. Didn't he have a talk oh, show? No, that's no, from Monta Williams. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, I was going to say something, I'm going to say it. <clears throat> I just self monitored. I salute wow. you. I salute Good you. Good job. Yes. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, man, I totally lost my train of thought. So, oh, yeah, right. Right. I That's what happens when I self monitor. When I self monitor, <laughs> we then everything's lose wisdom. You just push it all out.
1: Uh, Montel, Montel, Montel Jordan, mm-hmm. you liked him and you hung oh, out with Oh, he was him. great. Yeah. yeah, so we hung out yesterday and he's, man, I, I was super excited. Super really awesome. quickly, just because we know what you did yesterday, I think there's a good amount of listeners who might be like, under what circumstances was <laughs> Pastor Matt Brown hanging out with Montel Jordan? Do you want to leave them in the, Yeah, yeah in so, mystery? I, I uh
0: Pastor Rick Warren of uh, okay, Purpose, okay. not Purpose Driven Church, church um Church. Pastor Rick Warren called on uh, major um, pastors and, and, and large Churches in the United States to come together one day to talk about racial reconciliation and what we can do and, and how to gather together. And so Montel Jordan, for those of you who don't know, is no longer a songwriter, singer, rapper, but he's a pastor in Norcross, Georgia, and he has a huge church out there. In fairness, he might still be doing that. I, was things like, in I a think you could
2: definitely do both.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was really cool. So, but that line in the song where six eight he stood, he's six eight. He's a big boy. I mean, he is. That, that makes it sound like he's wide. He's not wide. He's tall. I mean, he, he's 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 a tall dude. So it was fun. Excellent. I wanted to, so in, in this meeting yesterday, I wanted to like go Facebook Live so many times. But I was like, there was so many security there. Like literally there was armed security everywhere. Wow. There was probably like 20 armed like security people.
2: And those are just your guys, right? No,
0: <laughs> Nobody cared about me. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we got a good show today. We got to jump into
1: it. We got all kind 13 questions, uh, yeah. real tough ones here, so. Before we do that, we got some business to take care of.
2: We do. So this weekend at every single Sandals Church location, our debrief support team is going to be out in force once again. We're going to be telling people as we wrap up services to listen to the debrief. That's right. Pastor Matt, you gave a little like teaser in your message last week about what was going to be on the debrief this week. So we've got that on there. But we want to make sure that everyone knows about the debrief that they can subscribe. So look for our debrief support team out at every single location. They'll have their cool volunteer shirts on and they're out there to help get people subscribed to the show. So if your mom has not been listening to you about subscribing to the show or it doesn't go well when you try to Mm, show her how to do things on her phone, you send her one of those friendly people in those debrief shirts and they will get her helped out so we are excited to see those folks out at every single sandals church location this weekend did you
1: sense a little uh just authenticity in there when stephanie was talking about her mom Not oh no the my church? mom
2: is better on most she can subscribe. Devices okay. than okay. me oh yeah really? you, you, it oh, sounded like it was sharp. coming
1: from it no, doesn't go well like when you show her things on the phone it oh,
2: sounded no. very no okay. my mom's like better that so yeah. I uh, I knew have you met so stephanie's thing.
0: mom oh yeah. yeah i think she has superpowers mm-hmm.
2: uh, she does she's a mom so all moms have that but my mom especially she's sharp you cannot r- yes. get anything by
1: her. And next week, uh, as we continue back to school series, we're going to talk about making right decisions. Mm-hmm. So if you got questions on how to make really good decisions, send those in. We'll get them to PMB. Are here. you going to participate in that show or just listen? I think I'm just going to soak it up. <laughs> yeah. Soak it up. Yeah. Maybe I'll ask Tall Tim to come in here. He'll host. I'll just sit in the Tim corner. Tim, dog millionaire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll just put some of these headphones on, no microphone, and just. Mm. Rub my beard while I look yeah, at Yeah, your, your face. beard's
0: looking great today, mm. by the way. Thank you.
1: Okay. Actually, while I was walking around, uh, I think I'm going to try and take it to the next level and do an actual beard beard. Not just hair in my face, but do it where it comes down a little. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah, that would be nice. Oh, I'm wow. going to try. I feel like I've never really gone to there. Not far.
0: Anyways. Yeah, I had to shave mine because it stunk. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was stinky.
2: Well, thanks.
0: It was. Okay, so and it's t- close to my nose, so I'm the one who had to smell it. Oh, time. yeah,
2: and you've got a
0: sniffer. <laughs> That's true. Sniffer.
1: My, well, <laughs> we don't need to talk about beard problems on this show. Uh, okay, yeah. we are going to talk about Pastor Matt stabbing a student. For those of you guys who are tuning in to this episode, just to figure out what the heck is going on there. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, even more important, we've got to share with you guys some of our most recent five-star reviews and feedback. This uh, five-star review came from Car Buddies, Heidi Hash... Hashtag 19. It
2: looks like it's Heidi S. Number 19. I think you forced the hashtag in there. Oh, but I thought it was Heidi
1: shastag 19. I get it. I see what you're saying. Wow. What is a hashtag? Well, it's a S in front of a little.
2: only in the world of Justin it's,
1: it's a capital S right in front of the Octothorpe, which is this, this the, uh, the hashtag pound okay, sign symbol. Okay. Social media
0: expert, Octothorpe. Elena. Have you Octothorpe. heard of a tag?
1: No, no. no I, I just said it wrong.
0: Yeah. Elena Kunkel's looking at you in just complete utter. You, you never,
1: also
2: just casually slipped octothorpe in there. That's what it's called. I that's the
1: name of the symbol is an octothorpe. You don't look at me weird for saying comma or semicolon.
2: No. Well, because people use those words. Yeah.
1: Well, it's an octothorpe. I'm trying to be clear here. For the people. This one came from Heidi Shastak 19. It says, Thank you, Sandals Church and the Debrief team. I've been listening to the Debrief since my husband and I started attending Sandals Church back in January, and all I can say is, Thank you, Jesus. Amen. She had quotes with an exclamation mark. So I felt like that's what it, how it came out. She's got great grammar. Every time I tune into the podcast, I feel like I'm having a deep conversation with my buddies on my way to work. Aw, thank you for answering yeah. such tough mm-hmm. questions. Have a great day at work today. With real
0: answers. That's right, Shastag. Yeah, turn up the volume. We love you.
1: You help guide so many conversations between my husband and I, our family and friends, all pointing towards Jesus. This is a great tool for people who want to go deeper in their faith. Thanks for all you do, team. Keep up the awesome work. We will. Thanks, Heidi. And then Kristen wrote in. That's right. This is feedback, five-star review, not just about the podcast, but about a sermon.
2: That's right. What? So Kristen said, in your message on Sunday, you shared about your struggles with learning. It was such a great encouragement. Our 14-year-old son has struggled with learning, mood, and behavior issues since he was in kindergarten. Mm. When you talked about your struggles, I saw him sit up a little. You said fight through your disability, and it doesn't mean you aren't able. It just means you have to work harder. I saw him exchange a look with my husband, and I felt a sense of relief. It was such a great encouragement to us and to our son. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, man, my heart goes out to you, my poor mom and dad. Man, they just struggled with me um, because I, I just struggled learning. I struggled learning. Uh, and, and not just learning, but learning in an environment full of other kids and moving things. I mean, I, that just is a nightmare for a person with ADD. So. Mm.
1: All right, well, we got some follow-up from the last few episodes of The Debrief. It's time to answer some questions about answers to questions. <laughs> this first one comes from—
0: Wait, my answers have created
1: more questions? Yeah, yeah you're now going to answer questions about, about past qu- answers to questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's time for follow-up. i really feel like we need some jingles on the show until we get real ones what jesus
0: did is i will answer your question if you can answer mine oh keep them simple and we'll make it happen okay yeah whitney
2: all right so whitney wrote in you mentioned in last week's episode that much of racism comes from the environment we were raised in so how do we teach our children not to be bigots and hateful how should we how should we show them how to respond to bigotry and hates towards them or to people they love
0: Okay, so racism and bigotry. What I shared comes from I think five factors. So, so one is the environment that you grew up in. Uh, two was um, your personal experiences, you know, things that have happened to you. Socioeconomic plays into it, education, and I can't remember what the oh religious upbringing. So those those five things are really what shapes us. And so we always have to be really really careful. You know, everybody's always looking for the silver bullet of what's causes something. And as human beings, we are multifaceted and we are complex, and we need to understand that. And so, oftentimes, things are caused by multiple factors. Nobody wants to hear that, right? But multiple factors. And so, uh, what causes racism and bigotry? Um, literally, is it's it's sin. I mean, that's what it comes from. It is is it is idolatry, worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And so. Um, we're gonna do our next series. um, I I think we're calling it who we are or neighborhood or something like that, but we're really gonna look at how racial reconciliation is what God has always been about. And it's what human beings have never been about. And so racism really has been a cultural problem. It's never been a Christian problem. Uh, And so you say, well, Christians have participated in racism. Yes, because of culture, not because of Christ, because Mm -hmm. they did not understand and they did not identify with scripture. And so everybody needs to understand that we are not to be shaped by our culture, but we're to be shaped by Christ and his scripture. Mm-hmm. And so racism really comes out of that. And we don't understand that in Christ, we are no longer male nor female. We're no longer uh, Greek nor Jew. Uh, we're no longer slave nor free. We're all one in the body of Christ. So really what happens, and it doesn't mean that you're not black or you're not a man or you're not a woman. What it means is, is when we come together, what draws us together is greater than what separates us and keeps us apart. And that's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a place where literally a liberal and a Democrat, a liberal and a, a liberal and a Republican, a Democrat and Republican, um, people from vastly different political point of views can come together, love one another in group because of their common view of Christ. And that's what needs to drive us. Unfortunately, a lot of us let other things drive us and and we respond more to culture than we do to the call of Christ because we're paying more attention to media than we are to his word. So racism and bigotry, I think comes out of an insecurity inside all of us. Am I good enough? Is there something wrong with me? And the quickest way in a sinful way to make yourself feel better about yourself is to put someone else down. Mm -hmm. And so I'm better because of, uh, the color of my skin or, or you know, which is ridiculous, the lack of pigmentation. But really this is not the result of Christianity. It's the, re- it's the result of Darwinism and its influence on Western societies. So as Western societies began to agree that we've evolved, they give, begin to put away scripture and they begin to embrace the scientific understanding. Literally it was, we have out-evolved these other people. Mm-hmm. And they really became uninterested with, converting the nations and witnessing to the nations and they felt superior in that. In the early church um, they had racial tension and racial issues but Paul constantly talks about that we are one that we are we have been predestined to be one we have been chosen to be one and I'm going to get into that uh, We are here that predestination is not an issue of the individual but it's the, it's the issue of literally the nations. God has chosen, to create a new nation out of the nations. And that's what he has predestined. And that's what he has chosen. And we have participated in that. And so um, so you'll hear me say that Ephesians one and two is not primarily about predestination. It's about reconciliation, the reconciliation of the peoples to God. Mm-hmm. And so that's God's heart and that's God's passion. So racism, big, bigotry come from sin. It comes from our experiences. It comes from, um, and let me just say this, we're all prejudiced. Here's the difference. Christians should not like their prejudices. We all have them. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you don't think you have them, you're, you're not being honest with yourself. Our vision mm-hmm. is being real. So totally. We all have prejudice. We, we have it. And so Christ calls us to not prejudge people, uh, you know, based upon literally the color of their skin, but to look for the content of people's characters, which is what Martin Luther King talked about so impressively and amazingly, uh, which is why we celebrate him with a holiday mm-hmm. in our country. He's an amazing, amazing thinker, but his thinking came from Christ, mm-hmm. not from culture. And a lot of people don't realize that so much of the uh, the, uh, the social movement to end racism and segregation in this country was from the church. These were pastors and clergy members and, and preachers. And these individuals rose up and said, okay, this needs to end. Uh, the culture of racism needs to end. And so the culture of racism in America um, really shaped the culture of church. And it's really, really sad and unfortunate. And it was wrong. So I think it comes from sin. It comes from our experiences. Uh, I said this in our sermon a couple weeks ago. We're all prisoners to our own experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just so important that when you have a bad experience with a person of a color other than your own, that what you say is that was not a good person. Mm-hmm. and you don't make a blanket statement about an entire race or an entire nation. Look, as christians, we we just have to be real with this. People make statements about two point three billion Christians because they had an experience with one. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous, Yeah, that it's absolutely ridiculous. And so again, a lot of liberals that consider themselves so open and so free thinking, they completely just, just land blast all Christians because of an encounter and experience that they've had. And even if it's a lot of encounters and experiences, we are limited based upon our experiences. And that doesn't give us a picture of Christianity everywhere, it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. There are great, amazing people all over the world who love Jesus and are faithful to him. So um, I think what can you do is... Yeah, she's really asking about how, do we, how does she teach
1: her children and our children.
0: Yeah. So the, the best thing you can do is, is you can look for people of different colors and races in our church and you need to start a small group. I mean, mm-hmm. the quickest way to end that is relationship. And so mm-hmm. here's the thing that the studies are showing that 70% of black people uh, in America today are having conversations about Charlottesville, mm-hmm. 70%. 65% of whites are having conversations about racism in Charlottesville. Here's the tragedy only 30% of blacks and 30% of whites are having conversations with people of other colors. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing is we're having conversations within our own tribe. And so what we need to do is we need to extend that. You know, if, if you're a white person and you want to understand black people, you need to be in a relationship with them, real friends. You need to break Mm -hmm. bread together. You need to worship God together. You need to, you need to do those things because we're always going uh, to be more quick to judge people we don't know. Mm -hmm. And once we hear their story and once things are personal, uh, then I think we can embrace that and understand that. Look, I mean, I was at that meeting yesterday with all those pastors. There was a black guy who came up and just said, I hated white people. And then all of a sudden he got called to a church full of white people. And he's like, and they were great. I, I mean, he just was confessing. And he said, I was wrong. And I had to ask for forgiveness because I thought every Southern white person was a ra- racist, you know, neo-Nazi Ku Klux Klan member. And he's like, these people are loving me, supporting me, praying for me, following me. And he was just like completely shocked because as a black person, he believed that all white people were the same. And so, I mean, that's the beauty of diversity. It's understanding that people are diverse. Um, One of the things that was said yesterday is that general stereotypes are generally wrong. They just are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not all white people are the same. Not all black people are the same. Not all gay people are the same. Not all straight people are the same. Not all Christians are the same. And so we just have to understand that you gotta be, I think sin wants us to quickly stereotype. We wanna quickly come up with a truth that makes us feel comfortable that we understand all situations. And the truth is we don't. We live in a complex world with complex people. So I, I think we need to racially assimilate. And so my prayer is that Sandals Church would reflect the ethnic diversity of our community. Mm-hmm. So that means we need to have a, a lot of Hispanics, um, some blacks and some Asians and and, and, and a, a good majority or not majority, but a good group of whites in mm-hmm. our church, because that's kind of the demographic. Now that will change from campus to campus mm-hmm. based upon the neighborhood within you know, the campuses, but we need to open up. And at Sandals, I know you both know, we've put diversity in our value statements Mm -hmm. because that's God's value statement. And so I don't want to, you know, give away all my stuff for the next series, but we're going to talk about it. And I think it's going to blow people's minds because here's the problem in America is we want to know how to solve the problem of racism when as Christians, we need to start with why. Mm -hmm. And so for us, that has to start with scripture. And so we have to go to scripture to understand why, then we can talk about how. But a lot of people just believe the wrong things. That's why they're practicing the wrong things. Mm -hmm. So we need to change what we believe so we can practice the right things. So um, that's that's just what I would say. And again, kids make fun of, pick on, and notice things that are different. They just do. Mm -hmm. That's just what kids do. And we have to teach them. You don't make fun of kids with disabilities. You don't make fun of people of different colors, different races. And it doesn't matter what your color is. Kids are going to notice differences. Mm -hmm. And so... You, you need to talk about that, you know? So if your kid notices, if you're a white family, why is that, daddy, why is that that person's skin dark? Okay, a lot of black kids in Africa have that question about white people. I mean, when I go to Asia, people are just like staring at me. Oh my gosh, look mm-hmm. at that guy. It, he's like one of those things on TV. I mean, that's how they look at you because they've never actually seen that. And so just help them say, God loves diversity and God loves people of all different colors. Isn't God great, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, he doesn't like the same thing over and over and over again. He likes diversity and he likes, you know, he has a, he has a wide variety of palettes. And, um, you know, cause even black people don't all look the same white people or uh, Asian people or Hispanic people like, right. We all look very, very different. And so God loves that. And so just encourage your kids to see that as something beautiful, mm-hmm. right? The rainbow doesn't have one color. It has many colors and that's God's heart. Mm-hmm. So just teach him and teach him. And that, you know, the song, Jesus loves children of the world. And I know it's not politically correct anymore, but, we can't reinvent that song, red, yellow, black, and white. They are all precious in his sight. Yes, Jesus loves the children of the world. And uh, that's just really, really important. And uh, the best way to end racism is to teach children truth.
1: Mm. Mm. Boom, oh, that's so good. Yeah, Whitney, I've got four little kids and I'm basically doing all those things that Pastor Matt said, you know, in terms of uh, trying to be intentional about the relationships we have as a family, trying to, um, you know, read to them and share stories with them, uh, those kinds of things. So we are trying to be really, really intentional about that, so... Good stuff.
2: Yeah. All right. This next question comes from Davina. Now, last week you talked about the importance of using wisdom to overcome our feelings. So Davina asks, I've always understood wisdom to be a mental thing synonymous with knowledge and understanding. So I've come to think that the emotions and feelings that come from my heart are sin driven and I should use wisdom against them. Is it ever possible to become wise in my feelings too? If so, what does this look like practically and how do I get there?
0: Yeah. So I, I think you need to not separate, you know, feelings from wisdom. So, what I understand about the biology of the makeup of human beings is no decision is ever divorced from emotion. So even a, a computer techie person, when they're writing uh, what do you call it? You guys write code. That's mm-hmm. how you say it. They're, they're, they're utilizing emotion. It may not look like it, but they're utilizing emotions. Human beings cannot make decisions, divorced of emotion. So God has wired us that way because we need emotions to relate without them. We're just robots, right? Computers don't relate. Robots don't relate. So, so, I think we need to not just divorce those two things and just say, okay, I need to understand that my emotions are at play. And I think wisdom is not divorcing yourself from your emotions, but trying to understand them. And wisdom says, is this, because she said, I feel like my emotions and my feelings, I think she said are always evil or what did she say? Are
2: sin driven and that I should use wisdom against them. She feels like her emotions and feelings come from sin.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we're all sinners wisdom is trying to figure out, is that true or not true? Because I think it would be unwise to say that all emotions and feelings are sin driven. That's unwise. Mm-hmm. Jesus had powerful emotions and they were not sin driven. Mm-hmm. He was like, right when he got upset at um, uh, the the Gentiles not being able to worship uh, because their area of prayer was being used to sell animals and sacrifices, he, he got very emotional. Jesus mm-hmm. cried. Jesus got angry. Jesus shouted. Jesus used emotion. God uses emotion. God mm-hmm. is an emotional being. And so there's you can't say it's all bad. I mean, you can't have wrath without emotion. Yeah. Hmm. So you you God the Bible says God gets angry. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. Both of those are emotions. And so we must understand that you know God is not this um this eternal being devoid of feelings and emotion. His feelings and emotions pour out of love and what's right, good and true. Our emotions pour out of both. What's right, good, and true, and what's wrong, bad, and evil, and so we've got to discern. So wisdom is discerning what is the emotion. It's not saying that these are all bad. And I think unfortunately, a lot of Christians in history have thought what you think, and so love is bad, you know. And so you get kids that grow up in these religious institutions where there's no love, there's no emotion, there's no embracing. It's um, you know, passion is bad. Even sex within the context of marriage in some religious movements was seen as bad, and that's just not what God teaches. And so we need to. You know, emotions are good things when they're expressed in a good way, mm. and and I think that's important. Mm. Um, I think it's unhealthy to not express emotions. Say at a funeral, you need to express whatever emotions you feel yeah. like you need to express in whatever way you need to feel. You feel like you need to. Because if you don't
1: express emotions at the f- a funeral, there's what I believe is is a headache. Some people, it's the headache from not cry, from trying not to cry. Mm. It's a particular type of headache. It's so painful. Mm. You just gotta let yourself feel the way you need to feel. Yeah, Mm -hmm. otherwise it won't be great. Well, there you go. That's some good follow-up. We love answering questions or we love getting you to answer questions about answers to questions. So if you've got some questions about those answers, send them in debrief.show. You can ask a question or message us on Facebook. But for now, let's start debriefing this sermon on
2: teaching. That's right. So right now at Sample Church, we are going back to school. So here on the show, we're talking about how to be more wise on the debrief here. So in this message this weekend, Pastor Matt, you kind of alluded to a story that we have all been dying to hear more about um it has really has nothing to do with wisdom but you said i maybe stabbed a kid i'll tell you about it on the debrief so
0: yeah i did say that so Here we are um yeah so i was a teacher and i taught uh severely emotionally disturbed kids so these were kids that had uh a lot of behavioral challenges emotional challenges many of them were in juvenile hall uh going into juvenile hall getting out of juvenile hall so they were expressive kids let's just say that they were very, very expressive kids. Uh, great kids, I uh, loved them, appreciated them. It was a, it was a great, great experience and, and I'm grateful for it um, to be able to meet the needs of kids with serious emotional challenges. Um, but you know, kids like to screw off and they like to you know do things and, and kids are notorious as adults are for making impulsive- High
1: school?
0: Yes, it was high school, making impulsive decisions. And so I was sitting on my desk, uh, talking to the classroom, uh, legs crossed, arms folded with a pencil in my hand. And so the pencil was actually facing backwards. So the pencil was not pointed towards the class. It was pointed behind me. Okay. One of my students had gone to use the restroom and he was kind of a clown. He liked to have fun and whatever. And so he thought it would be funny if he knocked me off the desk. I don't know why he thought that, but he thought it would be funny. So he came up behind me and he bumped me to, I don't know if he meant to knock me off the desk, but to knock me off balance and see mm-hmm. and to get a laugh. He wasn't trying to hurt me. I, I don't believe he's a good kid. Uh, He was trying to get a laugh and he, you know, he was impulsive. That's the way that he was. So when he bumped me off the desk, the old desks were, you know, like there are these metal desks, they're slick, man. They're like ice skating. So when he bumps me off that, you know, my buns slide like right off the desk. Well, when that happens, my arms are crossed. And if you're listening, you can't see, but my arms are crossed. And you know, you know, like when you're, you ever have that nightmare where you're falling? Oh yeah. And everything jerks. So that's, as I'm sliding, everything jerks. Well, when I jerked and as he bumped me, You know, I had a freshly sharpened pencil because I was a teacher of excellence. (laughs) And, uh, man, I plunged that thing right into his side, like right his side belly. Because, I mean, our bodies were touching. This is
1: a significant plunge.
0: Oh, dude. It was, uh, I was, like, I literally was horrified. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because it put a hole, like I put a hole in his gut.
2: Mm. So he
0: freaks out and starts screaming, Mr. Brown stabbed me, Mr. Brown stabbed me. Of course, the whole class turns into zoo animals. Everybody's going insane. And the whole thing was just an absolute. I, so I thought I was going to be fired, go to prison. So we had to call the police. <laughs> um, we had to call his, his his mom. So his mom. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, your uh, yeah. teacher just stabbed your son. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was a white teacher. This was a black student. Um, it, the whole thing was just a mess. So I don't know how it happened, but we all got in the same room. We're talking to the police. And so, you know, we, before the, the police were going to do what they want to hear both stories. And I don't know why but they had us in the same room. Mm-hmm. So they didn't like pull the student off to hear from himself privately what happened and um I think he just got totally nervous. His mom was there, his mom was all upset like, you know, I'm going to get sued. She's going to sue everybody. And he got nervous and so as the detective was asking him questions, he he accidentally told the truth. <laughs> I don't know what happened. The truth just came out. Been he started there. been there. And what was happening is is the the um uh the detective was asking like forceful questions, mm-hmm. like this is what really happened. And the kid just you know, he, he was lying. And so they need when he said what happened, his mom, dude, all her anger and resentment and bitterness that was targeted toward me, she got out of that. Shifted. She shifted? Oh, dude, she, let me tell you, she's large, she was a large woman. She shifted. And when she shifted, man, her hand came across and she smacked. So here's this poor kid. He's been stabbed by his teacher, right? <laughs> <laughs> and now he's, he's getting beat by his mom. And everybody, and right, the, police the, the principal, <laughs> yeah. me, the cop, everybody's just like kind of watching, letting it happen, man. And this kid's just getting it, man. So he's screaming, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she turned around and looked at me. She said, my son will be in class tomorrow and he will be the best student you have ever had. And he was, man. He was great for the rest um, of the year. Well. So, Oh um, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> there it is. There it is. Pastor Matt did, in <laughs> fact, stab. With a
0: pencil. Yes, a child with, a, with pencil. a pencil. I didn't carry a switchblade as a teacher.
2: Smart, smart. Um, well, you had very well sharpened pencils. No need.
0: I, I love to do, I love a freshly sharpened pencil. It's true. It's true. Doesn't it make you feel like you've done something? Like even if you oh, haven't yeah. written anything yet, a freshly sharpened pencil. Yeah. You know what it says? Something great could happen. Mm. Wow. And in my case, something terrible yeah, happened. Wow. But I just always feel, I always feel like when I have a freshly sharpened pencil, like I'm going to do something. You like know if it's not freshly sharpened, what you're going to write is not that great. Yeah, not that Ooh. important. We've got
1: a, we've got a nice pencil sharpener at home. What I like about it is it's got a suction on the bottom. So it's like an old school pencil sharpener, but I can take it into the kitchen. I can take it to the table, anywhere you want. Have you ever sharpened Boom. your
2: pencil Boom. in your kitchen? <laughs>
1: Listen, I think I've sharpened the pencil in most rooms of our small house. We've mm. we've sharpened a lot of pencils. I, I love, love it. it. It's portability, <laughs> excellence on cue. On I love man, this smell. Whenever you need of a freshly There's a good sharpened chance, pencil. like I will
2: never own a pencil sharpener again. What? Like I mean, I'm sure I had one in elementary school, but
1: when you when you have some little children, you okay. are gonna own. It's gonna happen. Okay, you'll have like 45. But you well, can't you have two freshly out, sharpened yeah. pencils
0: because kids will run with them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah. As, as soon as a kids done with a pencil, you just take it, bah, stab it into the table. It's no longer sharp, Mm. not an instrument, and then you get the
0: the uh, pleasure of sharpening. Okay, true story. I didn't share this. I also stabbed myself in eighth grade. Oh, Oh, okay. My my deal is freshly sharpened pencils. Yeah. So I put the pencil because I'm surprised
2: you didn't learn in eighth grade that this is going to be a dangerous thing for you in your future.
0: I think there's still a scar. Yeah, there it is right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what it was is I was trying to ask this girl out to the dance, and I was swinging my arms. Whoa. Like this because I was nervous, and the pencil was in my back pocket, pointing up, and I just went. And it stabbed my arm. I'm like, this is not going good. And she, and like, Does I was just see? standing there. She goes, I think you should go to the nurse's office. And I'm like, Well, are you going to go to the dance? And she said, I got to think about it.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> Did she go? She said, no, If you survive. Oh, yeah. no, no, man. Sorry.
0: It was me and this girl in high school. You we, just, keep her safe. we just always missed each other. Like, mm. she would like me, and I didn't like her. And then I would like her, and she didn't like me.
2: Oh, the drama. And, and all. then the one
0: time she maybe liked you, you stabbed you yourself, stab yourself, yourself in front. Yeah. Well, it's memo good. to all young men, when asking a girl on a date, do not stab self <laughs> or her or anyone. Yeah. Just
2: yeah. maybe don't bring the, fresh isn't it weird? Pencil? I've had
0: two pencil altercations in my life. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think a freshly sharpened pencil actually is not evidence that something great is going to happen for you. Right. Oh man. Wow. Well, it. speaking, speaking of
1: wisdom, Jenna writes in, she says, you used a lot of verses in your sermon this weekend about teachers, but isn't the Bible only speaking to religious leaders, not just any teachers?
0: Yes. All right, so the- uh, Yeah, I felt like I was pretty clear on that because at our church, we do use the Bible as our source of instruction. Yes. And so the logical conclusion that I was drawing is that if the scripture honors our teachers, Mm -hmm. wouldn't it make sense to honor all teachers? Got it. Mm -hmm. The principle applies. The principle applies. So, so, and for those who aren't tracking with me theologically, the Bible says honor all people. So like, if if you're not tracking with me on just teachers, we're to honor all people. What I was trying to make the point of is teachers are an important role for us as Christians because as Christians, we know we need to learn. We know we need to be learners. We live in a culture that does not value learning. And because of that, it does not value education and it does not value teachers. Mm -hmm. And we need to honor them. And so if as Christians, and, and you make your own decision, if as Christians, we are told to honor our teachers, Why wouldn't we honor all teachers? Because the truth is we need them to teach us so that we can learn at church. Like Mm -hmm. we don't teach reading, writing, and arithmetic at church. But if you don't learn those things, you can't read the Bible, you can't learn about God, and you don't know how to balance your checkbook so you can write a tithe check. Mm -hmm. Like we need all of that. So we need these teachers and they play an important role in our lives. And I think it's really, really important to uh, value them. So, um, And specifically, Ecclesiastes really is he describes himself not as a Bible teacher. Uh, he, it's the teacher. So on that instance, she's actually not correct. Uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 1.1, I, the teacher, write to you. That's just what he is. Now, some Bible, I think the King James translates, it, I, the preacher, Okay, but he's not preaching, he's teaching. He's, he's instructing. So he's not standing up, giving a sermon. He's teaching his students. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true of the book of Proverbs. When it talks about, listen to my instruction, it's talking about listening to a teacher. And so Proverbs aren't simply like um, biblical truth. It's just truth,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? It, it's not just teaching us about wisdom as a Christian or as a Jew. It's wisdom in general. It's, a, it's the general study of wisdom. So the book of Proverbs is these, these principles, if applied, generally lead to a better life. Yeah. That's what a proverb is. A proverb is this is usually true, and it's it's distinct
1: from a promise, right? Right. Because that's the one thing I've heard. You know, you actually use the train up a child on the way she, he he has to go. He will not depart from yeah. the path. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of parents feel like uh, that's not happening.
0: You know, like sure. you, you hear from parents yeah. who a raised, proverb get, raised is a kid usually in true. Yeah, usually true. Okay. Occasionally, you know, there are exceptions. Childrens that. that are exceptions to that. I mean, yeah. absolutely. So, but you can't say that's a dumb principle. Mm-hmm. so so don't raise your child up in the way that they should go and then hope they choose the right path that's dumb yeah. that's not wise wisdom says I'm going to raise the child up in the way that they should go and when they are old they will not depart from it but part of raising that child up is, is dealing with the child's unique struggles unique issues you know my parents were ready to throw their hands up in the air with me but you know my mom prayed over me uh, did a lot of things and not that parents don't do that because at the end of the day your kid has their right this is what I tell my kids my job is not to get you to the finish line. My job is to get you to the starting line. That's mm-hmm. what I tell him. You can be an idiot. I just had this conversation with my son. You can be an idiot as an adult. You will not be one as a child in my home.
2: <laughs> That's right. what I told
0: him. So so you, you, you want to throw your life away? You want to screw your life up? That's on you. You being a good young man is on me. So mm-hmm. I'm only responsible to get him to the starting line. My son is responsible to run the race. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of parents need to understand that is, God will only hold you accountable for your part. Your part is to get them to the starting line. But if you don't get them there, what are the chances are they they run the race? Yeah, hmm. it's right. You know what's the old say Wayne Gretzky says? You you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. We got to teach our kids to take the shot. That's what we got to do. Now we're not responsible for what they do, but we got to get them there. And that's why parents need to be forceful. I Man, I've been rough on my kids about you know. um, Dating versus not dating. I've I've done a lot of things that have been very, very unpopular, but it's because I'm trying to get them to the starting line. And, you know, um, it's easier to not be pregnant as a young girl if you're not in a dating relationship. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to get them to the starting line. I'm not against dating. I'm trying to get them to the starting line so they could, and and my girls made it. So, well, I mean, not yet, but they're, they're both adults. Mm -hmm. You know, one's 19, one's 20, um, but I can't make their choices, but I've yep. got them there mm-hmm. and, and my job is to protect them. So it's a general principle and it doesn't mean it's not true because it's not your experience. It's, a, it's like saying, you know, saving money doesn't work because I went bankrupt. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry that, you know, you went all in on pets.com. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, who knew, right? So, I mean, our, our, probably young people they don't even know what that was, but yeah, Shaq, that's I think from Shaq the lost 50 million. Yeah. Like $50 million, Shaquille O'Neal, and they don't even know who that is, but but uh, he was a big time <laughs> Laker. He lost like $50 million. He went all wow. in on that. And on pets.com? Pets.com, yeah. Remember the talking yeah, puppet? Of course. Oh, who can yeah. forget the talking puppet? the com commercials
2: were some of the best, dude. Yeah. yeah.
1: Dot com. All right. This question <laughs> comes from Tyler. When it comes to public education, how should Christians respond to the growing separation of church and state and what that means for curriculum related to
0: things like creation, marriage, sexuality? Right. And so, yeah here's what I would say is, is, is the, the school's job is to teach your kids to think. The church's job is to teach moral guidance. And so it's just really, really important that parents understand their rights. There is a separation of church and state and that actually works in your favor. And so if your child is being persecuted, if your child is being put down for their faith, for their beliefs, you need to be in that, that school and you need to be saying this will not happen. And if you need to sue, you need to sue. That, I mean, right? Unfortunately in our country, money talks and, and they need to know, you will not preach to my children. So they they don't want creation in the classroom. I don't want your crap, you know, in, in my church. And so, you know, diversity is two sides. A multicultural society means right there's multicultures, and Christian is one of those cultures. Mm-hmm. And we get to decide for ourselves what it means to be Christian. And so on issues of sexuality, issues on uh, on creation. What was the other issue that he brought uh, marriage. up? Uh, marriage. This, marriage. Those things we decide those things. Okay, marriage. Marriage is not the government's idea. It was God's idea. So we we get to decide what that is. And again, everyone needs to understand this. Increasingly in America, Christians are going to have to choose to be different than our culture. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. We need to be distinct uh, of, of our culture, not driven by it. And so I think we just need to encourage that. And so not every parent can do homeschool. Not every parent can do private education. Um, my kids did all three. It's weird. I had a kid in homeschool, I had a kid in private education, and I had a kid in public school. Mm-hmm. So we we did all three because each of my kids had different needs, mm-hmm. and so we, we just did that. But you know, homeschool was really really hard for us. It just was really challenging because mm-hmm. my wife and I, we we, we have a, a full time job here at Sandals Church. It was really yep. really difficult. Um, so we've had great experiences in all three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just would encourage you don't don't buy into the logic of anything again. It's a complex world and your children are complex and you need to do what's best for them. And at the end of the day, man, if you pour into your kid, your kid can choose not to be an idiot. And I just, I'm just, i just telling you, greater is he that is in you that is in the world. If you pour into your kid, get him in church, get him to good friends. This is what I tell my son. My son's now home alone because my daughter's away at school. I said, if you have good friends and I, I'm the one who determines, I, I'm the one who decides what a good friend is your mother and I will do whatever it takes to ensure that you spend time with them and that you're around them because we want you to have friendships mm-hmm. and we, and we do that. So we do, we, we move heaven and earth to make church happen and godly relationships happen. That's what we do. Um, and, and I just want him to know that. So um, that's what, that's what I would encourage you, you know, don't, don't keep your kids from relationships, push them towards good ones. And if you got a kid that's drawn towards darkness, that's going to be a real challenge and you got to deal with the heart. You just do, you got to address the darkness because at the end of the day, it's going to get them. Darkness wins when you when you jump into it. So,
1: so how do Christian teachers in public schools navigate like kind of
0: those same issues if they're mm-hmm. the teacher?
1: Yeah, I, we have I, a lot I, of those. At yeah, I think
0: I think you've got to be a, you've got to be a great teacher. And here's the truth: is you know they can't they can't control everything you do in the classroom. So even when you present present information, you can present it in a certain way. And so use your wisdom and figure out how to present information. Um, when you teach the creation of the universe as a science teacher, nobody knows how it all started. Say that. Nobody knows. Here's what scientists think. And then there are religions. Every major religion has a different opinion of how the world started.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, and 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 I think you're allowed to say, and, you know, my personal point of view, if you want to know my personal point of view, you can ask. So teachers can answer any question that's asked, mm-hmm. but you can't force the kids to understand. Um, yeah, you really, really, really do have to make sure they ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, And when one student asks, you can't make, I don't believe all other students listen. So you may need to answer that privately, Mm -hmm. Um, but be careful, you know, how you do that. So navigate it with wisdom. And again, be a great teacher, be loving, be kind, because what they're going to remember about you is not what you believed, it's who you were. Mm -hmm. I don't know which teachers were Christians and which which weren't, but I know which ones love me. I know which ones cared about me. Mm -hmm. And your job is not to save their soul. Your job is to educate their mind. Mm -hmm. That's your job. So do that well honor God by being a great teacher. So that, that's what I would say. And, um, you know, I, I there, there are tons of Christian teachers um, in education that navigate this stuff every day. You know,
1: my very first uh, semester at City College, Riverside City College here in town, uh, I took a world religions class because I thought it would be so easy because I went to private Christian high school and stuff. And holy smokes, that class was so, so hard. That guy challenged me in ways... I could not understand, and it literally was not until I walked out the very last kid leaving the final exam that I found out that the uh, professor, he was also a Christian, but he didn't make anything easy for me. He was really challenging me in that context mm. um, because I was one of the few kids who had self-identified as a Christian and I thought was I've always just remembered that guy is just a really great help and an aid to yeah. me in that context.
2: All right, you also, Pastor Matt, talked about bad teachers in your sermon, that those are people we shouldn't follow. What are signs that someone might be a bad teacher or someone we shouldn't follow?
0: Yeah, I, I think a, a big component of, of a great teacher is energy. We didn't talk about that, but um, mm-hmm. one of the things that I think, um, you know, people, when they see me privately, they go, like, well, you're not the same on stage. Well, I'm not teaching. Mm-hmm. When I come to stage and I teach, I, people are gonna respond to the energy I bring. And I think as a teacher, you need to bring energy. You need to bring your A game. And and I realize it's tough every day, five days a week, and and, and it becomes a grind. But I think students are attracted to energy. And so they're not going to be excited about something that you're not excited about. And so that's the first thing is bring energy. The next thing is, is I I think teaching is a calling. I don't think it should be a career. It's a calling. You should be called to teach. You should feel like this is what you're supposed to do. Look, you can make more money doing other things. There's probably more peaceful career path to sure. choose, you should be called. And those kids, kids, here's the thing about kids is they know. They know why you're there. If you're there, just collecting a check. And so um, so enthusiasm, excitement about your subject, and then love for the kids. I think those are three. And if, if a teacher doesn't have those three things, enthusiasm, energy, and excitement, enthusiasm for the topic, energy for the day, um, enthusiasm. Love of the, love of the kids. Love of the kids. There we excitement go. I, I can't, topic man. Yeah, doctor. I'm bonking right now because I need breakfast. <laughs> So, uh, so those are the three things. And so they're just our bad teachers. Um, one of the tragedies of modern public education is the unions. The unions protect horrific teachers. Now, as a teacher who stabbed a kid, <laughs> 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 unions, are, unions are a helpful thing oh when, you, when you accidentally <laughs> stab a child, right? That's unfortunate. Um, so, you know, so you do need unions to make sure that you are not... Um, adversely affected by a critical society sure. that just has unrealistic expectations yeah. for teachers the unfortunate thing is they tend to protect moronic teachers as well and mm-hmm. teachers know that teachers know who bad teachers are mm-hmm. teachers that don't care oh, yeah. teachers that have sold out checked out collecting a check and um but you know i see it in ministry
2: mm-hmm.
0: shoot we've seen it here at our church mm-hmm. I, I tell people all the time like if, if you want a career go get one if you have a calling come work here and um and, and not everybody has a calling and you you know, I, you know, just like teaching, I think in ministry, you have to have a calling because there's, there's going to be bad days. And, um, you know, I shared with our staff today, man, the last two weeks has been really hard on me. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've experienced a lot of criticism and I, I'm just like, why do I do this? You know, I mean, so everybody's, like, oh my gosh, your church is growing. Yeah, so are my critics. Mm-hmm. Man, it's it's just, it's just really, really crazy. And it's, it's just really gotten to me the last, like two weeks in particular, uh, the amount of people that hate me aren't adding, they're multiplying. And so- it just got me down and, and it's like, look, at the end of the day, I have to go back to my calling. God called me to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, God, call, you know, God called me to preach his word. And so you gotta go back to, you know, why, why did you teach? Why do you do this? And, and hopefully if you're a teacher, I'm the reason. Kids like me that struggle, you know, great students don't need great teachers. They just don't, they're gonna get it. They're gonna get the material. They're gonna learn, they're gonna excel. Struggling students need great teachers. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those students that just struggled and I needed great teachers. And um, not all my teachers were great. I talked about my great ones. I did not talk about my not yeah, so great yeah. ones. I had some teachers that were, you know, um, one teacher in particular was going through a divorce. I You know, I didn't know this as a third grader, but my mom told me later, she was a wreck. Mm-hmm. She did things to kids that you're just like, and it's because her life was a mess. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, mess. so on that topic, how do we honor bad
1: teachers yeah, uh, like have a bad teacher, but still honor them.
0: You know, yeah. maybe it's a high
1: school student listening, maybe you're a college student, maybe a parent of a young child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I,
0: again, I you know because I've we've had bad teachers with my kids. Um, man, we we've had some really bad teachers, and so what I do is I go in and I always say, you know, I was a teacher. I want we, we and so maybe you're not a teacher, but we're Christians. We believe in respecting teachers. We honor teachers. Um, you know, and you say those things. We worship a teacher. His name is Jesus. Um, which might make him feel a little weird, but you just say, hey, look. We're, 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 into this. However, here are our concerns. And so I share our concerns. And so ultimately what we do is we moved our kids mm-hmm. and look, p- the public school system exists to serve your kid. So my, my daughter Kennedy was in a sixth grade school uh, and it was just not going well. And man, I went straight to the school board. Now I can do that because they know who I am, but uh, you can do that as well. You got to mm-hmm. bark a little louder, but you can get there. And, um, I'll never forget with one of the school board uh, ladies in our own city, Riverside Unified School District said, we exist to serve the needs of your child and we will do whatever we can to get her in the school to where she can succeed. Mm -hmm. Man, that's Riverside public schools. And they did. They did. They transferred. She was transferred in one day. And um, because she was in an environment where she wasn't fitting in. And girls can be cruel. And they were cruel. And she needed a change. And she needed it now in Kennedy's. Um, you know, if you're going to take our self-discovery workshops, you know, she's a four. So she's up and down anyways. And man, she was down and um, it was tough on her. But our, our our school district did that. I've actually found public schools uh, are more accommodating than private schools. Mm-hmm. So um, the private schools change very, very slow. So we had a situation where my son was in private school and we had a meeting with the teachers. And it, it was just clear that they they didn't understand what was best for my son. Now, my son was struggling. He Man, he was... He's got some issues, you know? I mean, when kids turn 13, their brains are scrambled. That's a real thing. That's not like a made-up thing. It's a tough time for them and a tough time for their parents. And so um, we had to pull them out of that situation um, because they were not as agile as I hoped. So I think bad teachers don't care about kids and they don't care about their content and they have low energy. And when that happens, you know, address them professionally, not personally. Mm -hmm. So...
2: All right. So moving kind of over to the topic of wisdom again, in Proverbs 8, it's written from the perspective of wisdom herself. And it says, the Lord formed me from the beginning before he created anything else. I was appointed in ages past at the very first before the earth began. What does it mean here that wisdom existed before anything else?
0: Yeah, the truth is we have no idea. So yeah. um, so this, <laughs> okay. is, this is ancient poetry. This is an ancient collection of wisdoms and sayings and the truth is we don't know now Jehovah witnesses believe if you if you don't know the difference between Jehovah witnesses so we believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal son of god so Jesus is a historical person so Jesus existed let's say on earth from uh, AD 06 we, we got the counting wrong it's supposed to, his birth is supposed to be zero for those of you who don't know we counted wrong so mm-hmm. at 84 to somewhere 80 33 to 36 that was that's the life of Jesus the person of Jesus the son of god has always existed It's Mm -hmm. always existed. So when we talk about Jesus, he's a person of history. The son of God is the eternal son of God, the second person in the Trinity who has all existed. And I know some of your brains has exploded, but that's that's the truth. Um, Jehovah Witnesses disagree that the second person of the Trinity is eternal. They believe that he is a created being, Mm -hmm. created by God. And they point to Proverbs chapter eight as the creation of Jesus. So I disagree with that. I think what the author is saying is that from the very beginning, God created wisdom for us. Mm. that that what he's trying to do is he's trying to give it weight because of its age. And that's what he's that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to say, look, this has been here because in the ancient world, older was more revered and more respected. So in our age, right, we respect younger, young people mm-hmm. and looking young. In the ancient world, they respected things that were old. So the older you were, the wiser you were, which proverb says. Gray hairs revere the, reveal the glory of God. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're your crown and your glory. So a young person's glory is their strength. An old person's glory is their gray hair, right? No, and and nobody thinks that anymore. Right. So well, or very few people think that anymore. So what he's saying is, is look, and, and here's the truth. In contrast to the woman who calls out in the streets, and so what? 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 Proverbs eight is it's a contrast to the woman, the adulterous woman in Proverbs five and six. Who calls out from the streets and her lips drip with honey? What is that? That's the way of the world. That's mm-hmm. who she is. That's the animal instinct in all of us. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, that, that's why we, we need to be honest about sex. And hopefully, I'm, I got a book coming out about that where everybody says, well, let's make love. And, I, you know, I think you should make love every day and occasionally have sex. I, I think part of sex is animalistic, it's mm-hmm. a drive, just like you know, food mm-hmm. or sleep or rest. It's its a part of something in us that's animalistic. And so the woman in the streets, she calls out to the animal in us. Wisdom calls to the angel in us and not that we're angels, but to the to the angelic, to the heavenly spiritual portion of who we are. Uh, Rob Bell wrote a book called Sex God mm-hmm. maybe 10, 15 years ago. And I, that was actually, I'm stealing this. Um, that was his idea that we can be angelic in the way that we approach sex or we can be animalistic. And so- So we have to remember, and that's why it's so important that you read all of the Proverbs. Proverbs 8 is a contrast to Proverbs 5, 6. Hmm. The woman in the streets whose lips drips with honey. What happens when those who go into her bed go down to the depths of Shoal, they die. What does sexual sin do? It kills people to this day. To this day in modern day, it kills people. People Mm -hmm. die because of sex. It's still, so here's this ancient wisdom that still is revealing a modern truth. So... Romans eight, or excuse me, Romans eight, Proverbs eight is in contrast to Proverbs five and six. Don't listen to that woman, my son, listen to this older, wiser woman who has been with us since the very beginning. And so it, the idea is that wisdom is 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 almost eternal mm. and we need to apply this. And so yeah. that's what he's saying. And so that's big picture, it's poetry. Like I said, it's a proverb, um, it's a saying. And so son, this is what I've learned. You listen to her. So. Uh, but, but the Jehovah's Witnesses say that's Jesus. I disagree. Okay, I think they're wrong.
1: Well, let me ask you this question. Can somebody be young and wise or does wisdom come exclusively
0: with older age? You can be wise for your age, yes. Okay. But older people, wiser older people are wiser than younger wise people. Yeah, because, fair enough. because one of the things that creates wisdom is experience. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: It just does. And so the Matt Brown today, the 46-year-old Matt Brown today is wiser than the 36 year old, is wiser than the 26 year old, is wiser than the 16 year old, is wiser than the six year old. Um, I think I've always displayed wisdom for my age, but with age comes moral wisdom. If you continue to pursue moral strength and mental skill, mm-hmm. if you do. I don't struggle with the same things that I used to struggle with. You know, um, you know, there was a time in my life where uh, you know, pornography was an issue it's just not now. Mm-hmm. I've I've grown wiser. Yeah, I, I've gotten smarter in that area. I've gained more moral strength and more mental skill mm-hmm. in that area. Um, there was seasons in my life where that was not the case. Yep, I just kept working at it, kept working at it, kept working at it. And so again, we're gonna. I don't know how many more weeks. There's so many topics, but we're gonna have to talk about sex in this series called Back to School because sex ed, right?
2: <laughs> so that's what I'm gonna call
0: it. It's gonna be sex ed, but we gotta have it because uh, you know there. It, I would challenge you all to read through Proverbs and just start circling. If you have the, oh man, Adam Atchison has it. Pastor Adam Atchison of East Valley has this Bible. Let's put it on our debrief notes. I think it's the Mm Wayfinding. So the Wayfinding Bible actually has this really cool page where it outlines all 31 chapters, uh, almost like a lunar calendar. and, And it has colored circles that are larger or smaller in each chapter. Because what it shows you is it's talking about themes over and over again. And sex is one of those themes that comes up over and over again, mm-hmm. repeatedly. Wealth, how to manage money, over and over again. Mm-hmm. Listening, right? I told you guys 31 chapters, 31 yeah. times. Over and over again. Some chapters, it's multiple times. Um, so it, it, it's he's talking about the same things repetitively from different angles. It's almost like a rhythm, right? That's how the ancient world worked. You know, they weren't, they, they didn't ha- they didn't, they had a lot more time than we do because we're, we're constantly enamored by things that just suck our time. Mm-hmm. The ancient world had time to think and talk and reason and it was a beautiful thing. So um, we'll take it. I've talked yeah. myself out of words. We'll take it.
2: All right. We have one last question as we debrief. Your we did all 13? Well, we're, there's, there's two more follow-up. Okay. Uh, Off topic. Two Mm -hmm. off-topic questions to follow this. But from the sermon, you mentioned James 3.1 in your sermon this weekend, which says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. How do we balance this warning against becoming a teacher in the church with the call to share our faith and help our brothers and sisters in the faith grow?
0: Right. What what he's using the word teacher here is is the office, the office of teacher. So he's talking about me. Mm -hmm. That's what he's talking about. So he's not talking about the general idea of educating other people in the church he's not he's not talking about it he 's saying when you're the guy, you better understand that that god's going to talk to you and so it's something that I deal with all the time we I will be judged more strictly and and the truth is the point I was using that scripture is teachers are judged more strictly whenever you have an audience and you share um and this is what Donald Trump I think is struggling with is he had an audience at one time, but that audience is so large now, mm-hmm. and he's he's crumbling um with how he's being judged, mm-hmm. but he's in a higher authority. Mm-hmm. So this this principle that James is saying, and, and so just so you guys know, this is why you should read the book of James. He was called James the Wise mm-hmm. by Jews and Christians. Mm-hmm. That was his name, James the Wise. That's pretty cool. I mean, mm-hmm. can you imagine if at the end of my life, have you talked to Pastor Matt the Wise? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like Gandalf, man. Mm-hmm. This is so cool. So, um, you know, wisdom is, it, or excuse me, leadership and the, the office of teaching. Everybody should want to, Serve God. Everyone should want to share God's word. Not everyone wants to be a teacher for God, the man of God. That is an office and it comes with specific uh, qualifications, demands, and and not that teachers are perfect, but they are judged to a higher account. And a lot of people don't understand this. When pastors or teachers fall, they can be restored to the body, not necessarily restored to leadership.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And, and, and a lot of people have a hard time with that because they don't know they don't know the word of God they've not been taught the word of God um let's say god forbid that you know i committed adultery on tammy i hopefully i would be restored to the sandals church community loved welcomed as i repent experience grace I'm not convinced that i should be restored to the position of leader yeah you know I mean obviously things can happen or whatever but th- th- there would there would need to be uh, yeah i, I just I just, I just think that that's really, really important, and I say that I'm talking about myself. Is we can we're restored to the community, not necessarily to leadership. So, mm-hmm. Paul says you can become disqualified. Yeah, and and I think that's important. And we have a lot of leaders in America today who should not be leading, and they should not be teaching. And, um, but that's difficult. That's difficult to navigate when it's not, not my family. It's not my, I mean, we, we're, we're part of the family of God, but I'm not a part of that church. And that's why, you know, we had Mark Driscoll on a couple mm-hmm. of months ago, people just land blast. Look, Mars Hill wasn't my community.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. Ultimately all, all I know is what happens, what Mark told me and then what other people have said at the end of the day, that church doesn't even exist anymore. And I'm not responsible for that process. I, I love Mark and I pray for Mark and I think he's a great guy. Um, my job is to manage Sandals first, So I'm speaking for Sandals. So at Sandals, I believe that if I had a moral failure, that I should be welcomed and restored to the body, not to leadership. And, um, and I think it's important. And so, and then it's interesting because you know, what do you do with my gifts and my talents mm-hmm. if I'm not in leadership? Well, I think, well, you can still, the church can still utilize those things, but I don't, I don't, I don't need to be leading the charge.
1: Right. So. Don't worry. We would still keep the debrief going. It'd just be me and Stephanie bringing mm-hmm. real answers to random questions yeah. of, of no <laughs> Maybe importance. Maybe not from the Bible. Yeah, let's no importance. Re- we'll re- stick to re- what we know. Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, we are going to continue on debriefing this whole topic of wisdom back to school next week. It's all about making good decisions. That's right. Uh, but we've got two more just random questions for you. We're going to try and lightning. We're, let's, let's call this the let's shotgun this,
0: round. Let's call this righteous randomness.
1: Oh, okay. Righteous, righteous, righteous randomness. randomness. The okay. R&R round. All right, wow. it's time for. That makes me feel like we're going to have too much of a casual approach, a little rest and relaxation. We uh, want. I want. To, yeah. I want to shotgun these questions. We're going no. to go. Okay. Real fast. Ready? Why oh, did yeah. you just
0: shoot Stephanie? me? I don't. Because I'm loading you up with wisdom uh, to dispense were, back at the people. Yeah, because okay. that's what a shotgun motion signifies: loading someone else up with wisdom. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> yeah, all
2: right. I feel wise. You know what?
0: Hold on. Let me make you feel at ease. I'm going to find a pencil and. No, uh, no more stabbing. <laughs> okay.
2: All right. This first off-topic question comes from Brad. He says, as a new person coming into faith and striving to learn more about Jesus and the Bible, where is the best place to start reading the Bible?
0: Yeah, I would start with the Gospel of Luke and listen to the daily debrief. So do that. So we went through every single chapter and answered all of your questions. That's the Mm -hmm. best place to start. So Luke is written for new believers and non-Jewish people. So it's a great, great place to start. From there, then I would go into the book of Acts and just keep going with the debrief right there. Um, And then you know, then you're going to have to maybe get that, was that that Bible? Animal? The wayfinding Bible. The Wayfinding Bible is the best one. And so here's why the wayfinding Bible is the best one, because it allows you to pick your level, your level of depth. So everybody always says, well, I want to read the Bible straight through. Well, okay. Be honest with yourself. Most of you are not going to read through the book of Genesis straight through. <laughs> so, so the wayfinding Bible gives you like, I think it's one, two or three levels, maybe four levels of depth. And, what I think you should do is, is after you listen to the book of, of Luke and Acts with us, go through the wayfinding Bible and start at each level. And so as you grow in your faith, go, go to a deeper level. Um, cause man, there's just some passage of scripture. The first eight chapters of first Chronicles. Oh my gosh. It's brutal. <laughs> whenever, I, cause I read through the Bible twice a year. And whenever I hit that, I'm like, oh, it, cause it's just lists of names. And yes. I'm like, oh man.
1: All right. Okay. Second question, shotgun. You did pretty good on that one Pretty good, quick. This one comes from M. Quick fun fact: What fictional character goes by the name M? Well known. Uh, Come on, Stephanie has no clue. Yeah, no, James Bond. Yeah, there you go. His his boss. All right, M writes in. My twenty four year old daughter lives. This is actually Stephanie. Can you read this? This is a paragraph. (laughs) Sure.
2: Emryson says my 24 year old daughter lives with her boyfriend and works at a marijuana shop. I disapprove of both. She always says she feels judged and that we don't accept her for who she is, but I always tell her we love her and we just want what's best for her. She's constantly comparing my husband and I to other parents who are more quote supportive.
0: Mm, I tell her those parents aren't
2: Christian. So they have different values. What do we do?
0: Right. Well, I think you keep doing what you're doing. Those parents do have different values and that's the reality. And so I want to do a series called filter or, or, or different or strange. Um, something like that, because here's the problem is, is Christians, so many Christians think that God's will for their life is to be normal. That is not his will for your life. His will for your life is to be spiritual. That's what God wants you to be. And that means different, radically different. Um, There's actually a passage in 1 Peter that, you know, that where we feel like strangers and aliens in this world. And if you don't feel like you don't fit in this world, then you don't fit into Jesus's world. That's the reality. So um, we, we need to be thinking about that. I'm not called. And so like, here, here's my challenge politically. I'm way too conservative to be liberal and I'm liberal. I'm too liberal to be conservative. I don't fit in either camp. I just don't. Well, I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to fit in God's camp and um, I'm supposed to fit in in with him. And that's the challenge. And that's why I have a problem with these pastors, these, these hired holy men, you know, on the left and on the right ordaining, you know, the next whatever. So, um, Man, I just lost my place.
1: Well, fair enough. Well, we're supposed to be different. So yeah, yeah oh. so
0: so here's the thing is is okay, you got your kid to the starting yes. line. It's her job to get herself to the finish line. Yeah, exactly. She's made a decision by living with your boyfriend and not being married. She's committing adultery. She's fornicating. Um, you know, she's well, it's not adultery until they marry somebody else's. So right now it's fornication, so that's and that's just in never mind. I just got way too specific. So she's committing the sin of fornication, and so that's sex out of the context of marriage. Um, And that's, and that's a sin. She has to decide if she's a Christian. Um, You know, marijuana clinics, they're really, really challenging. Um, I think marijuana does some good, but mostly it's really bad. It's just really, really bad. And so, um, you know, I think our culture is, you know, way more buzzed than they are blessed and that's a problem. And so again, I, I think she's walking down a path of darkness and she has a really, you'd have a really hard time saying that she is walking on a path that's blessed by God. And so what I think is important is that you let her know that you love her, you don't love her lifestyle. You um, are for her, but you're not a free, you're not for her choices, and you need to be that. And so, the worst thing is, you know, don't cut her off. You, you need to stay in relationship. Uh-huh. She's your kid, uh-huh. and she needs your love no matter what. Um, but she says, "I feel like you're you're judging me because you are." Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so here's here's this whole thing. So you know, it's so weird. You know, our culture doesn't believe in judgment, which is a judgment. I mean, saying, I don't believe that anyone should ever judge me or how I live is a judgment. And so oftentimes those people are the most judgmental because they judge people who judge a specific area of their life. And so the truth is she's just as judgmental as you guys are, but you know, you're not judging. What you're doing is you're agreeing with God. You're saying, okay, this is not good. This is not right. And just keep telling her you're praying for her, you love her and you'll always, you know, be there for her. But this path leads nowhere good. And again, what does Proverbs talk about? the straight path, the straight and narrow. So sin, the word iniquity uh, in the Hebrew means crooked. It's the crooked road. Mm-hmm. The righteous road is the straight road. Um, so both require effort, but the straight road's easier. That's what's hilarious. The straight road is always easier. The crooked path, that's the hard one. Mm-hmm. That's the hard road. And so, you know, some people need to learn the hard way. Um, you know, just talking to uh, Montel Jordan, i going to throw that in there. This is how we do it.
2: <laughs> oh, casually. Don't,
0: yeah, don't give up. Um, you know, he, he was a big time R&B artist, made lots of money, but told me from an early age, he knew that he was supposed to be in ministry and ran from that, lived mm-hmm. his life, went into darkness, lost everything. And then ultimately God had to take away everything so that all he had left was God. And, and he just said he wouldn't change just it. Just like that well.
1: designated driver taking the
0: keys to his truck.
2: Oh, that was good.
1: Oh, yeah. That was good. I don't know. I don't know if I'll give it a good one. I'll tell you what I I will give you guys is uh, the close of this show where you can find all the information, the links to the Wayfinding Bible, any other goodies online at debrief.show slash 76. Of course, you can follow along with us Everywhere you are, basically, socially.
2: That's right. At Debrief Show, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We would love to have you follow along there. Share what we post up there so that more people can.
1: Especially if you are only listening to this show, you might want to pop over to YouTube and just get the visual demonstration of how Pastor Matt actually um, stabbed that child.
2: And depending on the camera angle, you might be able to see the scar from his other pencil injury. Exactly, so, a lot
1: of good reasons to check us out on yeah. YouTube right now. Also, a lot of great reasons just to support Sandals Church and the work God is doing here <laughs> for, for more of this good stuff. You can do that, especially those of you guys who are not a part of Sandals Church and are giving and donating every single week to help make this happen. Oh my gosh, we appreciate you guys. You are so great. If you want to do that, all you need to do is text the two words, give debrief to 951 slash 900, no, not, not not slash, just the number. This is in the internet. 951-900-4120, text give debrief 951 900 Forty one twenty, and that is awesome. All right, there it is, you guys. I can't wait. Next week, we gotta have a new segment: buzzed or blessed, mm. buzzed or blessed. Ooh. And then that, and then that upcoming this sil- could get series. Weird. We might get fired. The what? Will you, the strange different filter. This can be a compelling Stranger series. Things. The strange different filter. Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, I think that idea is ooh. a little bit buzzed, not not as much blessed. <laughs>